So, Rachel. Yeah. A race of superhumans created by genetic engineering experiments in the 1990s is discovered drifting in space, frozen for 200 years. Ooh. This is one of my favorite episodes. What do you think you're going to get with this? We're going to get super strong, resilient, maybe repairable humans. Repairable? Like if they get hurt, that their bodies repair themselves. Don't most people's bodies repair themselves? <laughs> Immediately. Oh, I see. Like Wolverine regeneration powers kind of Guess thing. Guess so. Yeah. 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 Whoever that is. I'm looking forward to seeing 90s fashion through the eyes of the 60s. Mm-hmm. I suppose shell suits, big mullets and high tops would have seemed like a vision of the future to them, though. <laughs> <laughs> Might have got that right. I guess the experiments were a failure in some way, maybe dangerous or unethical. So mm-hmm. they've shut the program down. Mm-hmm. But someone saved the superhumans and froze them in space to drift. But I've no idea why. Mm-hmm. Who wants their space seed and what are they going to do with it? <laughs> well, betide anyone who signs up to gestate and give birth to a superhuman. <laughs> oh, golly. I don't think that's what that means, but uh, we'll see. Rachel watches Star Trek. Log star date 3141.9. A full hour has elapsed since interception of the strange vessel. Our presence alongside is still being completely ignored. Although our sensors continue to show signs of equipment and life aboard, there's been no indication of danger to us. That is the captain's log from the original series of Star Trek episode Space Seed. And it is your first time watching it. You being my wife, Rachel, you're watching Star Trek. For the first time, and we talk about it here on a show called Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey. And I still love this episode. Oh, good. I saw a few issues with it. I never noticed before, but it's still so good. And Khan, ah, he might be the best villain ever. I'm just saying. Whoa. Well, let's hope we're in for some higher ratings from you. The people are getting worried and annoyed out there, <laughs> <laughs> especially since last episode. Uh, Return of the Archons is terrible, and I don't care <laughs> who thinks it's good. You're wrong. You're just out wrong. That's bad. You know what's not terrible, Chris? No, what? This month's sponsor. Oh. It is La Belle Esplanade, oh. a high-end boutique bed and breakfast in New Orleans. Oh, right. Yes. And Tell me more. Not only are they the number one on TripAdvisor for New Orleans. Wow, that's huge. They are ranked the number three in in the US. Wow. And the number 17 in the whole world. What? <laughs> that's amazing. The people have spoken. <laughs> It is really gorgeous. Colourful. La Belle Esplanade is like the Ritz if the Ritz was located in a colourful and eclectic mansion run by two people. At least one of whom loves Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) But you should go and check out the blog. One of the recent postings is why this is your New Orleans Star Trek hotel. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. right. And I think one of the main selling points of the inn, as beautiful as the suites are, is the experience of being guided through the hidden gems of the town by the hosts Oh, there. wow, yeah. Their website is L-A-B-E-L-L-E, that's La Belle, E-S-P-L-A-N-A-D-E, esplanade.com. And we'll have that URL in our show notes. Yes. 
So uh, let's get into this episode. It starts off with the Enterprise finding a derelict spacecraft. It seems to have power, but the sensors only detect faint heartbeats, but they're not mm. sure if they're human or what. what's going on. It's mm -hmm. like, why Why are there only four beats a minute? It's very Yo, confusing. Yeah, that's real slow. They're also sending out a message in Morse code, and Kirk, for some reason, gets a bit snippy with Uhura <laughs> about deciphering the code. Yeah, they're competitive to finally get to use that nugget of historical knowledge for the first time, <laughs> and then, no, I'm going to decipher it. <laughs> Boo, Kirk. That's not like you. No. Well, it is sometimes. Sometimes. Kirk notes that the ship looks like a DY-500 class ship, but Spock points out that it's much older. A DY-100 from the <laughs> 1990s. Oh, I see men still love their numbers in the future. <laughs> so do you think uh, that Khan maybe is going to be like listening to Smash Mouth and he'll be wearing some flannels and Black Martins? <laughs> I was hoping so. <laughs> Even though they detect the heartbeats of four beats per minute, there's no respiration. Right. But that's not possible, surely. We find out that they're in some kind of hibernation so that their their body processes have slowed down. That's how they're going to be able to have lived 200 years. Yeah, but with CPR, you don't have to give the rescue breaths anymore, although you should ideally after mm -hmm. every 30 Impressions. But you do if they've not been breathing for a while, I think. Yeah. No oxygen to pump around otherwise. Yeah. So surely they can't live if there isn't any respiration. Yeah. They would just build up CO2 inside, wouldn't Maybe they? Maybe it's so shallow that it doesn't mm, seem like Can't detect it. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, the music definitely wants us to fear this ship. Yeah. It's laying it on real thick. The vessel is called the SS Botany Bay. Botany Bay. Oh, that sounds nice. Oh, no. Oh, why? No, sorry. It's a little Rathacon I'm throwing oh, at there you. there you go. But uh, there's no registry in the Enterprise's records. So Spock points out that the records from that time are a mess because this was during what was dubbed World War III, known as the Eugenics War. Ooh, I'm glad we avoided that then. Spock gets a few jabs back at McCoy at last by separating himself from humans and talking about your attempt to improve the race. Mm -hmm. McCoy stabs back, alluding to the scientists with their logic being at fault. Thankfully, Kirk shuts it right down. Yeah. Poor dad, he must be sick of the bickering by now. <laughs> Since this is all kind of fishy, Kirk goes to red alert. They observe the ship for a bit, but there's no action from the Botany Bay, so Kirk figures it's actually probably just derelict, so they're going to beam over and check it out. Kirk orders Scott and Grumpy McCoy to beam over as well as the ship's <laughs> historian, Lieutenant McIvers, who Kirk calls Lieutenant McGivers for some reason. And I think it's maybe because her name is spelled M-C-G-I-V-E-R instead of G-Y-V-E-R. So maybe... Mm, I think he knows who she is and fancies it, but he's trying to play it cool with oh, the guys. Oh, yeah, I could see that. He says, here's a chance for that historian to do something for a change. I was thinking, why does the starship have a historian? Like, what's the point of that? But it's already come up a few times, hasn't it? Coming along human-esque planets that are at different stages of human history. Yeah, but I, that seems more like a, an anthropologist than a historian like historians know facts and anthropologists mm -hmm. have better understandings of human cultures and civilizations and i think yeah. an anthropologist would be more important than an actual historian mm. so it seems a little odd to me especially because spock seems to know it all anyway yeah. <laughs> well clearly she hasn't had anything to do they've been in space for a year or something all she's done is paint yeah well that we cut to MacGyver's and she's in uniform putting on like a painting smock mm -hmm. and she's gonna go to work on her paintings her, her quarters are full of paintings and drawings and yeah, stuff yeah they're good she gets the call and she has to, you know, she's like, oh, God, now I've got to go do some actual work. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. For once in her life. They've called on her zero times so far. She's all grumpy that the man is making her work. <laughs> Why be in Starfleet? Jeez. <laughs> when they get to the transporter room, as they gather, McCoy complains, I signed up to practice medicine, not to have my atoms scattered all across space. And so begins McCoy's complaining about transporters. <laughs> but I was absolutely on board with him with this. Finally, I can empathize with McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why are they always beaming him in and out willy-nilly? You're an old-fashioned boy, says Kirk. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there's a lot of discussion about transporting. Doesn't it technically just destroy you and then Ooh. put you back together again? Oh, yikes. And then are you really you? Like, mm. are you just like a copy of you that's made? Oh. I mean, sure, if they use all the same molecules. So it gets a little existential, the whole yeah, idea of wow. transporters and, and how they work. Killing you and bringing you back to life again yeah, and again. Kind Oof. of. In Next Generation, they actually do show that you're conscious as you transport. So you kind of get a crossfade of one location that you're at and then it fades to the other. Mm. So you're you're never unconscious, so you're not actually dead. Mm. But I don't know in the original series if that's the case or if that's something they retconned later. Mm. I was transported once at the Las Vegas experience <laughs> and I have to tell you it was quite painless <laughs> and exciting. <laughs> Woo! Before they beam over to the Botany Bay, uh, the life support systems are warming up like they detected the Enterprise. When they beam over, Scotty confirms that it is an old Terran ship with atomic power and computers that have transistors. I'd love to tear this baby apart, says Scotty. <laughs> Why? He just, he's just interested in yeah, how it works. How it works, I think, yes. So MacGyver says that the vessel is a sleeper ship designed to extend life because there was no faster than light travel until 2018. Oh, this year! Get ready for yay. it! However, again, that's a thing that gets changed later because when they break the warp barrier mm -hmm. and travel faster than speed of light, it's, it's actually later than that. And anyway. turn into newts? No, that's Aww. that's when they go faster <laughs> than warp 10. Oh, that's right, when they right, go right. warp 10. That's a whole other thing. Of course, that's way later. We see human-shaped people in bunk beds built into the walls with glass doors and blue lights on inside. They're wearing a kind of gold mesh jumpsuit mm -hmm. and sleeping on their backs. MacGyver's notes that they're handsome. Yeah, she's... Man, she's already got it going on there. <laughs> One of the life units is coming online and MacGyver says that it's probably the leader. He will decide if the rest of the crew should be woken up. So looking at him, she says that he's Sikh from Northern India. She's totally swooning. I didn't notice this before when I watched I haven't watched this episode probably in over 10 years. Not mm -hmm. since you and I have been together. So, But they brown him up. I don't think I would have known. I think he's Spanish. Ricardo mm -hmm. Montalban, the actor that yeah. plays him. Well, actually in Wrath of Khan, they don't brown him up at all. He's just normal. Oh. Because, you know, Brandon up people is pretty frowned upon. But in the newer Star Trek movie, they have Benedict Cumberbatch playing him. Mm. And he's totally white. He's so white, Chris. <laughs> like, I've seen him on the beach. Yeah, none more white. <laughs> and it kind of bugs me that this new Star Trek movie that came out re relatively new, Into Darkness, just kind of whitewashed Khan. Huh. Khan Noonien Singh. He's Indian. Is it problematic to have a villain be a minority race? Oh, uh, right. Yeah, that could be a, a thought that they had. Scott says that there are 84 people in stasis, but they appear to be from all over Earth, not just India. This guy who's coming to, his life support starts to fail, and Kirk, man, he just freaking busts through the glass yes. and pulls him out. No screwing around. <laughs> so this guy, uh, it's Khan. I mean, we're not going to pretend. We're not going to act like we don't know who this guy is. It's totally Khan. He comes to and he whispers and he asks Kirk, how long? Mm. And Kirk says 200 years. And again, I guess they don't really have their time locked down because 200 years gets us to 2190, which is 100 years off from canon, which says that the five-year mission that Kirk and the crew mm. of the Enterprise are on is from 2265 to 2270. Mm. So you're right. They're still kind of feeling mm. it out. But they're being the... very specific there, aren't they? Yeah, they were. Mm. So MacGyver seems to be creaming her jeans just looking at Khan. <laughs> Magnificent. Oh, Kirk even has to yell at her to snap out of her gawking stupor. <laughs> she spent the last year getting off on doing paintings of historical figures, and now she's got a real live one, Chris. <laughs> it's like 14-year-old me meeting Joy from New Kids on the Block. <laughs> 
okay, now, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You put it in perspective for me. It's a little bit more believable now. <laughs> so they beam Khan back to the ship. In sickbay, McCoy is amazed how quickly the man is recovering. He waves a screwdriver about over his chest and shakes some salt on him. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Those are the medical devices. This is scanner. That's yeah, is. right. So Scott calls in and says that a bunch of the life pods failed. So there's actually only 72 of the Botany Bay that are still alive. Oh, 30 of them are women. Not a bad ratio. <laughs> for the women. <laughs> you get more oh, choice. Women, yeah. Yeah. Kirk seems curious to find out more from them about the 90s, a mysterious dark period of their history. Spock can find no record of the ship and it's kind of getting his goat. Although he claims he's incapable of irritation. Mm -hmm. Kirk suspects that it might be a penal colony since it's called the Botany Bay which was an Australian penal colony. Mm. But Spock is like, why would Earth put criminals on its most advanced spacecraft? Mm. Illogical. Uh -huh. It's funny too, because the writer who wrote the script, Roddenberry said this exact same thing. He put this in, he goes like, why would they do that? Because they were going to have it be that? And that was in the, yeah, that was in the original script. And that was an idea of like criminals in space and uh. they find a bunch of criminals. And then, so it was like Roddenberry and, and mm. the writer, Corey Wilbur, they figured it out and like, oh, we're going to have them be supermen. And so they, they've gone off into space that way so yeah they, they kind of worked through it but it's funny that this conversation made it into the actual script because it was something uh. that the writers had so spock also notes that the probability of this ship lasting as long as it did and actually getting to a habitable planet is astronomically low oh yeah who would do something like that i like this gentle ribbing between them try not to think of spurk when i say that <laughs> <laughs> okay kirk accepts his theory doesn't work but notes that he's still waiting for spock to come up with one right and spock is like i don't have enough information can't give you one so kirk orders the ship to be towed as they go to starbase 12 kirk goes down to sickbay to check on the new guy and mccoy is totally impressed with him uh his body is super strong and tough better heart better lungs he could lift us both with one arm please let's see that yeah that'd be, that'd be cool but he wonders if the man's brain matches his body macgyvers arrives they give her a hard time about getting all worked up over a sleeping guy mm -hmm. and she says it's because he's living history a specimen she has so many questions and that's it she's mm -hmm. not sex stuff. she's not into him it's just uh, purely scientific mm but actually she totally she's is. totally sexed up kirk says men were more adventurous bolder more colorful she agrees and he's pleased with her honesty. But is he jealous, do you think? No, I didn't get that impression. No. Yeah, I know. You said that earlier that mm. he was into her and I don't. Mm, he, no. does, he does not seem to be interested in her. He's always into all women, though. <laughs> I don't know. No. Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You were saying she's playing hard to get, but I don't know. I thought he had his nose put out because she fancied this other guy. and. Oh, well, I didn't pick that up. Maybe, no, maybe, maybe that's not. in there. Yeah, I don't know. McCoy says it's a pity you wasted your life on command. You'd have made a fair psychologist. <laughs> Kirk <laughs> says, fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's the smuggest move ever. That was one my, my old friend Matt Barisi used to do that all the time. Uh. His, his Kirk impersonation, he'd go, fair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so Khan wakes up and does what appears to be some over-dramatized version of Hatha Yoga. Or Tai Chi, maybe. He sees McCoy working, but McCoy doesn't notice that he's awake yet. So he gets a scalpel and then he pretends to go back to sleep. When McCoy comes over, Khan grabs him. But McCoy is totally a badass. Mm. Well, either choke me or cut my throat. Make up your mind. English. I thought I dreamed hearing it. Where am I? You're in bed, holding a knife at your doctor's throat. Answer my question. It would be most effective if you would cut the carotid artery just under the left ear. I'd like a brave man. I was simply trying to avoid an argument. 
Man, no fear from McCoy. Ooh. I gotta say, this is the first episode that I, I'm actually liking McCoy. Yeah. Like, he comes off really awesome in this one. Much better. And the whole crew of this episode are total badasses. Mm-hmm. Well, except for MacGyver's. Well, yeah. She's totally lame. But everybody else is just like in the face of death and danger. They're just yeah. all, bring it on. Bring Spoiler it on. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Me personally, if I was McCoy, I'd be pooing my pants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So Khan starts off right away like he owns the place, telling McCoy to get the captain in here. He's got many questions. So Kirk comes down to talk to Khan, and he demands to know where they're going. And Kirk, playing it cool, and tells him, which of course makes no sense to Khan. Starbase 12 and the Gamma 400 system, their command center. He tells him 72 of his people are alive. Finally, Khan tells Kirk he's Khan. I'm Khan, like Madonna. I have one name. Or Cher. (laughs) Power play. Rude. He's so rude. Kirk tries to question him, but then he says, oh, I'm tired. I can't talk anymore. And Kirk knows he's BSing him, Mm. but he humors him because I think he feels like he's in the position of power here. Mm. Then Khan tells Kirk that he's an engineer and he would like to see the ship's technical manuals. For some crazy reason, Kirk says, okay, yeah, sure. Take a look. And that's, yeah, this kind of stuck out to me. Mm. It didn't previous times, but this time I was like, what? Mm. Why would you do that? That's crazy. Maybe it's the fact that it's Kirk underestimating Khan here, Mm. and that's what it's about. He's so accommodating and indulgent. He defends it to Spock as a common courtesy. Mm, yeah, is it really? No. Spock and Kirk discuss the supermen. Superior ability breeds superior ambition, Spock cautions. Mm-hmm. 80 Napoleon-esque supermen were unaccounted for at the end of the eugenics war. Later, MacGyvers comes in and Khan puts some moves on her and he does her hair for her. Mm. Seriously, that's what happens. He, he does her hair. She is so hot for Khan, it's almost off-putting. Almost. Only almost. (laughs) He's so condescending. She's asking questions about his ship and he shifts it immediately to dissing her about her hair and faffing around with it. Yeah. I guess it's supposed to be erotic, but it comes off as so douchey. It does come off douchey. MacGyver's convinces the captain to have a fancy welcoming party for Khan. It's the jackets with the brocade and the chunks of Play-Doh on the plates again. (laughs) Kirk asks McCoy about MacGyver's. I still think he fancies her. Oh, okay. McCoy says we've all felt his magnetism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted Kirk to go, uh, um, Have we? Have we? <laughs> I, I didn't feel it. Oh, I mean, I you mean... know, uh, yeah. What time is it? Um, so before dinner, Khan shows up to MacGyver's quarters and sees all of her drawings and paintings of warriors and famous leaders, as well as a portrait of Khan that she's been working on. She's putting him a little turban on even though she hasn't seen him in one. She manages half a sentence about her work when he talks over her, you've rearranged your hair for me. He fondles it. Mm-hmm. It's another classic, a short wig on top of a slightly darker long wig. <laughs> Should be pretty hot to a middle-aged guy from the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> They're totally different colors. <laughs> yeah. Looks like one of those disastrous prom photos oh. from the 80s. <laughs> Khan says he's honored, but she should be careful. Such men dare take what they want. Ugh. Then he just totally max on her and she seems like she might resist, but no, she's totally into it. Ugh, he's like evil Kirk. Rand would never stand for this. No. So at the banquet, Khan says that they were on the Botany Bay for adventure, seeking a new life because Earth held nothing for them anymore. Spock says the eugenics wars were a battle to end tyranny. But Khan says the supermen were trying to bring a new golden age and make the world a better place. Spock says there were lots of petty, warring dictators, all supermen, I'm guessing, fighting over who would be in charge, to which Khan says one of them would have won eventually. Hmm, it's such an awkward dinner party. (laughs) (laughs) It is. One where a couple of people are dominating with a heated debate and everyone else feels voiceless and anxious that it's going to get out of hand. (laughs) 
<laughs> it could be a bit like a granddad talking about the war and then some young guy telling him how it all was. And Oh, yeah. oh man. Kirk says it's a social occasion, to which Khan responds, social occasions are only warfare concealed. Many prefer it more honest. Wow, yeah. So Khan says when Rome was ruled by Caesar, Augustus, I'm guessing, humanity grew in leaps and bounds. Kirk asked flat out, why did you leave Earth? Were you afraid? And Khan says, we offered the world order. And Kirk says, we? Like you and the other master racers? And then Khan is like, oh, oh no, I'm tired. Oh, good night. And then he just gets out of there. So I won't finish my weird blue drink or have any food. <laughs> At least he asks permission to leave the table, though. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. <laughs> Ricardo Montalban, the guy that plays Khan, he's just so flipping great. There is <laughs> this tension in the whole episode. <laughs> Like it's each side playing the other. Mm -hmm. And I, I just love it so much. So MacGyver goes to Khan's quarters and she apologizes. But Khan is like, they shouldn't trust me. I'm being mysterious. And MacGyver confesses she knows who he really is mm. and wonders if he's going to like living in their century. And then Khan says, I'm going to have to remold it to my liking. And then the whole rest of the scene is this weird, emotionally abusive bit. Please don't. Go. Or stay. But do it because it is what you wish to do. Well, I'll stay a little longer. How many minutes do you graciously offer? I only meant... This grows tiresome. You must now ask to stay. I'd like to stay. Yeah, he bullies her, but she's kind of into it and mm, she's wrestling within herself somehow yeah i don't know why she would be at all but khan decides he's going to tell her that he's going to take over the ship and either she's going to help him or not and she submits to him and does what he wants oh yeah awful yeah he takes her hands and forces her down to her knees and you can tell how strong he is by her face yeah she doesn't want to help him hurt others but she can't leave him either what the hell is going on? This manipulation of a weak female is supposed to make him particularly evil, I'm guessing. In the briefing room, Kirk and the gang have finally tracked down who Khan is. So they've got like a little picture of him from the 1990s. Mm. It says his name is Khan Noonien Singh, a genetically engineered tyrant of the eugenics war, the last of them to be overthrown. And from 1992 to 1996, he ruled one quarter of Earth from Asia to the Middle East. Ooh, what were you doing from 92 to 96? I lived in Pittsburgh and then moved out to L.A. So oh, very nice. Yeah, so well done. I did my GCSEs and my A-levels. Oh, mm. look at you. But you didn't conquer one quarter of Earth. Oh, I didn't have time. I was at school. Okay, that's true. So Scott says that he'd always had a sneaking admiration for this one, with Kirk and McCoy saying that he was pretty good as dictators go. There were no massacres and internal wars, and he only attacked when first attacked. Hmm. Spock is creeped out by their love of this <laughs> yeah. dictator. Kirk says, we could admire him and still disagree with him. Spock says, illogical! <laughs> Kirk says, totally. <laughs> so Kirk puts guards on Khan's room. Good luck with that. <laughs> now Khan has a Starfleet red shirt on. Why? I don't know. I was thinking that, why are they putting him in a Starfleet mm, uniform? That's mm. really strange. And why are they putting him in an engineering and security uniform as well? Is it like a cute little let's dress up the exchange student <laughs> in our uniform? <laughs> <laughs> so Kirk swings in and Khan is like, hey, what's up with the guard? But he knows. He knows what's up with the oh, guard. Oh, well, yeah. And Kirk says, dude, we know who you are. The Starbase folks are going to figure out how to deal with you. And Khan says, look, me and mine, we just want to find a new planet and start a new life, a new world. And he says, there are other reasons, but Kirk, you're just too inferior to understand them. Oh, he's pretty good at insults. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> He's surprised how little improvement's been made in man in 200 years. Oh, snap. Yeah. Kirk yeah. gives him a wide-eyed stare. 
before leaving. <laughs> Khan summons his strength with his hands together and then forces open the sliding door before sucking the guard down the corridor. Yeah, man. So MacGyver's helps him take down Transporter Chief Kyle and then beams Khan over to the Botany Bay. Cut to the superhumans doing Tai Chi. The men are in red jumpsuits with black belts and the women are inexplicably still in the see-through gold mesh outfits with gold bikinis and 60s hairdos. Oh, I can explain it. Oh. Gene Roddenberry like looking at <laughs> naked ladies. So, All right. oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it. quite simple. <laughs> the girl at the front is really lackluster about her Tai Chi. She's really phoning it in like a teenager doing an exercise class with her family on holiday. <laughs> What's her deal? <laughs> Finally, I don't know what took him so long. Security figures out Khan has escaped, but too late. He's taking control of the ship. He's disabled the turbo lifts and shut down life support. God, that was quick. Kirk wants to gas all decks. Why is this a function of, of the Enterprise? Well, I think their environment controls and so they've just they could probably put in any element they want into the environment if they want to put in or maybe in case the ship gets taken over it's a way to, to neutralize the threat weird kirk calls down engineering but khan is like scotty you know he went on a burrito break i'm in charge <laughs> now so um why don't you just give the ship over to me because uh, i'm awesome and you're basic so <laughs> and the kirk goes you can suck it khan yeah <laughs> so khan says all right i'm gonna suffocate your whole bridge crew <gasps> So all the crew decide to die, apparently, but not before Kirk does a ship's log. He's such a badass that he's still conscious for long enough to record commendations for all the bridge crew yeah. while, they, while they lie unconscious on the floor. Yeah. I take full responsibility. The crew awakens and they're prisoners. Kirk is not there, but on the view screen, they see that he is in a decompression chamber. Khan starts to rapidly cycle through a million strategies to get them to help him fly the ship. One, join me, I'll treat you well. Mm -hmm. Two, I'll kill your captain unless Spock joins me. Mm -hmm. Three, I'll kill you all one by one. Four, I'll save your captain if any one of you joins me. <laughs> but this is what I really like about this scene is that the crew is just, they're mm. not taken. They don't even answer him. They just, mm. they just stare him in the face and say nothing. You know, he makes these offers like just one of you and I'll, I won't kill him, but nobody does it. They're mm. like, yeah, we're going to stick by our principles no matter what. Yeah. And Khan is like, oh man, I thought these guys were pushovers, but they are not. Yeah. Yeah. The solidarity is their strength. Yeah, I really dug that. And it also dig it because Khan was kind of bluffing a bit like i mean he, he thinks he kills kirk but he's not ready to go full-blown murder on everybody yeah that's something he could have done he could just overpower them he could have just yeah you know if he had control of the environmental systems he could have just pumped poison into the whole ship or just cut it off until everybody died mm. and then took over the ship it would have been way easier to do that but he doesn't so he claims that he needs them to fly it i don't know why he would yeah, he seems to be able to figure a lot of the stuff mm. out by looking at the things. I'm not sure. Uhura's commanded to work the screen so they can all see Kirk suffering. She refuses and so she's shoved over to it. She stares the guy down and he backhand smacks Oof. her in the face. Yeah. She remains determined to resist. MacGyver's excuses herself. Khan tells them that Kirk is dead. Uhura collapses forward, but the men have no reaction. They lead Spock off to be next. MacGyver sneaks off to the decompression chamber. She injects the guard with a knockout serum <laughs> and then opens the chamber to save Kirk, immediately pleading with him not to kill Khan. There's a guard leading Spock. Kirk and Spock double team him. Yeah. Yes, Kirk hides behind a corner and wrestles the guard's arms up while Spock pinches him down. Yeah, yeah. There's a very inconsistent use of the super people's strength. Yeah. Though. There is a lot in this episode. Yeah. Spock says, I'm surprised to see you, Captain, though pleased. 
<laughs> At the briefing room, Khan is losing control. Kirk and Spock release knockout gas and Khan escapes. Scotty makes it out too after first stopping to punch a guy. <laughs> it's awesome. He punches him and just runs. Yeah. Is it the guy who sucked Uhura? I oh, don't maybe know. It is I don't him. know if it is. But oh, it might it have been him. Seemed like it must be personal. Yeah. So Khan escapes to engineering and cuts the gas off, setting the ship to overload. He twists Kirk's phaser with his bare hands. It's Kirk and Khan Fu time. Yeah. <laughs> Khan throws Kirk about, hurling him across the room. Kirk won't give up. He back chops Khan. He swings from a metal screen by his fingers, which must really hurt. Yeah, that kind of hurt. And then it's the scissor choke. <laughs> yeah. Suck. I have five times your strength. Yet somehow Kirk takes him down with a gut punch from a bit of pole he's pulled from a console, mm. which he then beats him with. Yeah. Mm. Kirk Foo plus Implement wins again. Yeah, well, I have to be honest with you. I was always disappointed in this fight mm. because it's basically Kirk has a club. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's the only advantage he needs in this. It, mm. I felt like it should have been something more to do with like Kirk outsmarted him or mm -hmm. Kirk had better knowledge of like the ship. Yeah. Because Khan is supposed to be at least five times, like he says, five times stronger than him. Yeah. He should have just grabbed him and like crushed his throat and Easily it was over. Or yeah. broke his arm. Like he pulls open the door with his bare hands. Oh, yeah. So the whole idea that Kirk can beat him in a fist fight is yeah. silly. Ridiculous, really. Yeah. All that he could outsmart him, presumably. Right. Well, I got the impression that Khan is smart in a way, but he's not necessarily experienced in other ways. Like he doesn't know about the technology, he doesn't know about mm. the ships. Yeah. And he also has hubris. Like he's all, mm -hmm. all, he's very full of himself. And mm -hmm. then I think that, that overconfidence can breed mistakes and, mm -hmm. and that would have been like a cool thing but he just beats him in a straight up fight yeah. which seems kind of to undercut the fact that Khan is a superhuman man yeah it does undercut it so now Kirk's back in control we're at a formal hearing he says it'd be a waste to put them in a reorientation center a what I, I think it's just future prison they mentioned this before is when they send people to prison they actually try to rehabilitate them mm -hmm. it's not about punishment it's about getting them to figure out how to fit back into society and figure out why they caused the problems that they did. Yeah. And it's not the old days. So I think that that's why they call it a reorientation center as opposed to prison. Mm. Would that be a waste? Wouldn't that be great if it was successful? Maybe Kirk thinks that it wouldn't work on Khan, mm. that he's just going to never submit to them because he's Khan. Yeah. So Kirk says that they're going to drop them off on SETI Alpha 5. This is SETI Alpha 5! <laughs> An uninhabited <laughs> planet they could make a life on. So MacGyver's decides not to be court-martialed, but to make a life on the planet with Khan. And I'm surprised that Khan's actually up for this, but hmm. you know, okay, sure, whatever, he is. Khan asks Kirk if he's read Milton, and Kirk kind of smugs it up a bit, and he gives him a nod. Mm. And then they take Khan out of the room. And Scotty's like, I'm not up on my Milton. And Kirk says, it's better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. He compares it to Australia, alluding, I think, to Aboriginal people as savages who benefited from being tamed by the European settlers. That can't be right. That seems racist for Star Trek. No, I, I don't think that's what they meant. I think it's that the English criminals were sent there and eventually they made a real country for themselves. Real country. Well, like they made a, a country with laws and people that obey those laws and mm. they produced things and became a country. It wasn't just a penal colony anymore it's mm -hmm. actually a country so i think that's what he's referencing i think that the poor aborigines aren't even factored into that um, comment okay it has nothing to do with them spock says he would like to see what happens on this planet in a hundred years mm. he says what crop will sprout from the seed they planted uh-huh yeah see, there you go oh yeah yeah that's what it was all about <laughs> but also the seed of creating a whole new 
civilization as in having sex <laughs> and making super babies. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 Is this Spock's respectful way of saying that Kirk is a lunatic and what have you done? <laughs> I kind of always thought it was strange too that Kirk makes this decision. Like this seems like this is something you got to put up push up, oh, the, yeah. up the ladder this is yes. admirals are making this choice yeah. Pe- presidents not just a, a captain of a starship absolutely but eh, whatever i'll well, just send off double wig to have super babies with Khan. that can't go well for her surely <laughs> so concept concepts power again is a major concept mm. kirk started off benevolent and considering himself superior to khan in that he's got 200 years on him and all of this technology uh-huh. which is why he made the mistake of letting him read all the manuals sure like i said i think it was hubris and kirk was thinking oh this cute little caveman wants to look at our books mm. but he can't figure that stuff out khan absorbed it all in minutes yeah. like in where no man has gone before right yeah oh i totally forgot about that because yeah, he's learned nothing he was in sick bay as well reading it on there yeah Come on. That was only a few weeks ago. <laughs> I don't know how long ago. <laughs> Khan later commented that man has evolved so little in 200 years that he remains far superior to Kirk. Not that superior. The crew's power was in their solidarity. And apart from the ridiculous MacGyvers, mm-hmm. their refusal to bow down to Khan or be intimidated or forced into meeting his demands. Yeah. It was great to see Ahura being so determined and courageous. Yeah. No consequences for them smacking her about, though. Well, I think maybe you're right, Scotty. Got in there and got in there. Got a good punch. I hope so. <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> I was glad to see that the violence towards Ahura seemed to shake MacGyvers out of her stupor enough to save Kirk. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand her abusive relationship with Khan and her decision to go with yeah. him. Yeah, it just didn't make any sense. It was weird. That or court martial, I guess. But man, what has she been through in her life to make him seem like a good option? Yeah, it just made MacGyver seem really lame. Like all she ever wanted was to be dominated by a strong man. Mm. And it kind of bothered me. Mm-hmm. But I guess people in the future can have problems too. Yeah. They didn't seem particularly super in the end, which undermines the main sci-fi concept for me. For example, with the knockout gas, if their lung efficiency is 50% better than the normal humans, as McCoy said, why did they pass out at the same time as the crew and not Mm. have chance to escape like Khan did and Scotty did? They'd really dropped the ball Mm. on showing how super these guys were. Yeah. Uh, But Khan is a really cool villain and he doesn't kill anyone. Oh, yeah. At all. He could have lots of times and it would have made things way easier. And he did try to kill Kirk. It just didn't quite work out. Mm. But he seems to have some kind of moral code. He just thinks that he should be in charge. Mm. And that's, I think, a really interesting villain. That's a good point. I didn't notice really that he could have been so much more brutal. They could have just instead of capturing everybody, could have just killed them all. A confused but stimulated six from me. You know, I gotta say a ten for concept. Woo! There you go, everyone. uh, Yeah, this. I mean, I just think it's so flipping cool. Like everything about the ideas of this. Some of the execution is a bit weak, so it's gonna end up being an eight ultimately. Mm. But I can see why they chose to bring Khan back for a movie because he is freaking awesome. Mm. I wonder if some of it is retroactively applied to this episode because you know the film. Could be. But I, 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 I felt like I watched this pretty purely. Like I was just yeah. taking it because there are problems with it and mm-hmm. those things stand out. But still, man, I just love Ricardo Montalban. He's just so... He does have a great presence to yeah. him, doesn't he? Just create that tension throughout, as you said. Yeah. That's getting us into entertainment. Mm-hmm. Bite scenes. Mm-hmm. Very happy to see the scissor choke at last. Brilliant. Entertained to see the blatant use of stuntmen. 
Yeah, I think it's because we're watching it in HD, and that show is not meant to be shown in mm. HD because those stunt guys don't look anything like them. <laughs> and there are kind of extended shots of them with the faces yeah. towards us, yeah. just having a fight. Confused by the inconsistent super strength, yeah. But I guess it's just more proof that Kirk's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Really impressive visuals to see the sleeping super people in their bunks. Yeah. And I enjoyed the weird modern dance Tai Chi they kept doing. <laughs> I wanted more of, more of that. I enjoyed the drama of Ahura being smacked about for refusing to obey. It made them extra evil. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't look remotely like she was hit. I think she reacted before the hand came well, at her. Yeah. They could have just given it a couple more ticks to get that a bit tighter. Yeah. Didn't really matter, though. It still worked. Yeah, sure. McCoy came across so much better in this one. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I love this episode. I think it might be a nine for me. I'll go for a seven. Sexiness. Khan had a sexy physique, and mm. I liked those jumpsuits and the chest-exposing outfits. Mm -hmm. He was, of course, reverse sexy for being such an abusive egomaniac, yeah. manipulating and overpowering MacGyver's haughty and distant with Kirk. Ugh. Yeah. Uhura time equals sexy time, and especially in her courage and defiance. Yeah. So points for that. Yeah. MacGyver's was attractive, and her eye makeup was swoon-worthy, mm. but she was such an odd representation of an easily swayed, swooning woman. It didn't sit well with me at all. No. The whole business with her hair was just odd and creepy too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just there was something uncomfortable about the sexuality of it. What Khan and her maybe could have been like hot was just kind of mm. not. Yeah, oh yeah, like a spider and a fly kind of yeah. dynamic. Some nice, sexy, courageous, commanding moments from Kirk, mm -hmm. but not in the concentration we sometimes get them. Three. Yeah, three. Well, I want to thank our sponsor once again. La Belle Esplanade. Check them out if you're thinking of going to New Orleans or think of going to New Orleans and stay there. Absolutely. And don't forget to check out the blog entry, Your New Orleans Star Trek Hotel. Rachel, thank you for watching Star Trek with me as always. And I always have such a good time talking to you about it afterwards. Thank you. I'm really enjoying making this show. And thanks, everybody, for making it happen. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek!